Well, there's some joy. Hope you're tapping your toe to that. Maybe some of you got up and danced, but I don't know. Might be a little bit Bapticostal for us at First Baptist. You know, I've been doing some thinking. I'm coming up on about 13 years full-time in Christian ministry. It's been a minute. My first 10 years of those were the best and hardest job that I've ever had. I, I was the youth pastor at two different churches. You know, being the youth pastor is by far and away one of the hardest and coolest jobs for a couple of reasons. It's hard because youth ministry and the time when which you or your children are or were youth is filled with anxiety. Everybody is trying to figure out themselves and figure out one another. It's hard. It's, it's uneasy. While at the same time, there's all of these countdowns going on in our collective hearts and minds. Youth are thinking how many years it is until I become a college student or am of age to go into the military or work. And in the parents' hearts and minds, it's the same countdown, but it's much less for joy and much more for sorrow. They're starting that countdown at about the same time I am in my life. Maggie's in sixth grade. It means seven more years. Sorry, Mama. Seven more years until that baby is a freshman at Furman University, of course. <laughs> Breaks my heart to think about leaving her there in her freshman year. And you know, well, you probably don't. I'm the one that cries, okay? I'm the one that cries. Rebecca holds it together. Meanwhile, pastor is an absolute basket case. Anyway, but it's hard work. And all the while, youth pastors, our youth pastor, is trying to do what's more uh, seeing and helping our youth become people that are knowing Jesus and reflecting Jesus. Um, Kenda Creasy Dean calls it the God-bearing life, and she says it in the following way. While the coming of Jesus Christ in a virgin's womb is the unrepeatable mystery of God, God invites all of us to become God-bearers, people who by the power of the Holy Spirit smuggle Jesus into the world through our own lives, who by virtue of our own yes to God find ourselves forever and irrevocably changed. That, that's what the youth pastor is trying to make come about through games, through retreats, through play, through hangout time, through lock-ins. All of that is so that they might have the God-bearing life. And it's hard. Respect, Pastor Caroline. But it's good. Because there's something about teenagers which is amazing. Here's the thing about teenagers that you may or may not know. They are filled with some of the most incredible potential you've ever pulled in your life. And you're just waiting. You're waiting for that potential to take shape. But, but how? What's going to make that potential become reality? So when all of a sudden in your very midst, you're blown away and you go, wow, I, I've just seen something amazing. Well, I want to contend with you today that the way that that potential in a teenager's life, and probably anybody's life for that matter, comes to reality is the following way. Undeserved and unwavering favor. Now, say undeserved. Means you can't earn it. Same, say unwavering. Means you can't lose it. 
And favor is that statement over your life where someone says, in essence, I believe in you with all my heart, soul, and mind. Now, in my missionary journey as a youth pastor, I was in my first ever church at Easley First Baptist, and I was trying so hard in so many ways, and yet I did not think that I had yet beheld that, uh, that moment when potential became reality until this one night on a mission trip in New Orleans. Now, New Orleans, as you well know, is the hottest place on the face of the earth. And so we're out doing missionary work, and we're coming back, and we're all exhausted. But lo and behold, the guys and I assemble in a room, and we're just hanging out. We're talking. And we're having a really good time. We're sharing stories. People are laughing. People are cutting loose. It is great. When all of a sudden, this very disgruntled adult from another church comes in, and he begins to lamb blast. I mean, absolutely just go on a tirade after the guys who were from my church, who were in that room, and goes after them with full vim and vigor. And he's accusing them of the following. He's accusing them as being the guilty culprits who last night, the night before, had set off the fire alarm repeatedly in the middle of the night and made everybody have to evacuate the college dorms where we were staying and wait around and then we'd go back, and we'd lay down again, and then lo and behold, somebody would pull the fire alarm again. We'd all have to leave. I mean, it was terrible. It was a terrible night of sleep, and everybody was bothered by it. But he had the gall to, to come in and accuse these guys and, and, and let it be known that he was so disappointed in them. Well, folks, I usually keep my calm. I usually keep my calm. But in that moment, something snapped within me. And I asked that adult leader to step outside. Now, all the guys who were there were kind of like glued to the TV screen in that moment. They're like, what is David going to do? And in that moment, and, and it was not of me. I think it was through me. I think God was speaking through me. He spoke a word of undeserved and unwavering favor over those guys' room in that, that moment there in the dorm. Now, let me tell you a little bit about these guys. Because they were all characters. They were all characters. They were completely capable of having pulled a stunt like the one the night before. Okay? There was Carter. Um, Carter was a very smart, intellectual guy. He's the well-actually person. You might know that person. Um, you've said something about history or about the Bible. And he was the young man that would come up to you afterwards and be the person to say, well, actually, did you know? And, and you were kind of like, thank you, Carter. I didn't know. And it's wonderful to be reminded about how little I know from a 16-year-old. That's just what I needed. <laughs> then there was Andy. Um, Andy was a great kid. He was full of, full, full of love. But the thing about Andy was anytime we stopped for a restaurant break, he, called, he caused what I called a food war. I mean, if we stopped at Zaxby's, he was in full revolt seeing, saying that we should have gone to Chick-fil-A. And if we stopped at a Chick-fil-A, Andy was in full revolt saying we should have gone to a Zaxby's. And I was like, Andy, it's all fried chicken. What's it matter? And, but he would lay down in traffic and constantly be the source of a food revolt. But that was Andy. Um, then there was Jacob. Jacob was the one that made the girls giggle. He was the one that was really good looking. He was the one that you would hear girls talking about him afterwards. And they'd go, is he cute? He's cute. Oh, my God. He's so cute. I mean, that was... That was Jacob, but Jacob, Jacob was a rascal. He was an absolute rascal. And then to his opposite, extreme opposite, was, was Bobby. 
And Bobby, had a, he had a face for radio. And, and Bobby was the epitome of the saying, if you're going to be dumb, you might, be, might as well be tough. And that was Bobby. That was Bobby. And all these guys, these are the ones that the adult leader had just lambasted and just shamed. And I, and I took him outside and I said, I just want to tell you something. Those boys in there, they're good boys. They're good boys. And I even went on to say, which was halfway true, I said, they would never have pulled a stunt like the one that happened last night. I mean, they're not capable of that. This is the undeserved, undeserved favor part and the partially true. <laughs> they were completely capable of it. But then this next part was absolutely true and was the unwavering favor part. I said, I'll never allow you to speak to them like that. <laughs> the guys are watching this and they're kind of like, so the guy cools off, he walks away, and I go back in, and everybody's just kind of quiet for a moment. Everybody's just quiet for a moment. And then something happens. That same adult leader comes back in. He says, I just need to say a word. I need to apologize. I need to apologize for what I said and what I did. That, that, was, not, that was not okay. I said, thank you. Don't let it happen again. Get out of here. Something changed. Something changed in my relationship to these youth and moreover, their relationship to God, after that moment of undeserved and unwavering favor that was spoken over them. I think they leaned more into becoming the people that God was calling them to be. I think they, I think they dared to believe that, that God could use them in a way, even amongst their own peers, so that they could be a source of blessing to others. And that's the God-bearing life. That's what Ken DeCreasy Dean is, is talking about. That's what every youth pastor worth their salt hopes for. And it finally happened. The potential finally came to reality when a word of undeserved and unwavering favor was spoken over them. Now, that's true for teenagers. I think it's true for you. I think each and every one of you have a potential that is at least partly being realized, but continually to be leaning into the fully realized on your heart. There's a potential within you. And, and what you need, as much as those four in that room that night, is you need the word of undeserved and unwavering favor spoken over you so that you might lean fully or more fully into that potential and you, my friends, might live the God-bearing life wherein you dare to dream as Mary did to in some way somehow smuggle Jesus into the here and now. Now let's talk about Mary. You know, she was a teenager. She was a teenager. She was she was younger than Carter, Andy, Jacob, and Bobby. She was younger than all of them. And an angel comes to her, and the first words the angel says is, you're highly favored. You're highly favored. Now, this was significant, because as a teenager, she's not lived long enough to have done anything that deserves merit or, or accolades. Um, what's more is that she's a girl, which in that time in the history of the world, sorry, ladies, was not to your credit. You, 
You couldn't hold property. You couldn't give witness. Um, you weren't seen as anyone that had agency or choice. You just were property, essentially. And then there's this other one, right? She's poor. She's a peasant. She, can, she doesn't have two pennies to rub together with any luck. With any luck, she can marry well enough to secure an existence with her family after the heavy taxation that's going to fall onto her. I mean, she's got it up against her. It's going to be a struggle. And yet, the angel's words are of undeserved and unwavering favor. Not just from the angel, which in the Greek is angelos, which means messenger, but he's bringing a message from God. God's the one that's speaking, the undeserved and unwavering favor, and it's clashing into Mary's life so much that she asks the following question, which is very common in Scripture when an angel or the voice of God intersects into people's lives and says, you're going to do this. And I think it's even more common today in our lives. Mary says, how can this be? Anybody ever asked that question? For the good or for the evil? Have you ever been so lost in life that you've, you've looked at your circumstances? Maybe it's right now and you're like, how can this be? And that can be certainly true for bad circumstances, but it can also be equally true for when favor is spoken over you. Because while Mary is someone that we revere, she is the mother of Jesus Christ, let's not forget Mary was a teenager. Mary was a teenager. Her life was somewhat chaotic. I'm sure she talked in class, teachers. I'm sure her parents were meddling in her life, and she might have had a streak of rebellion. I'm not saying any youth in here is like that, but could be the case. She's a teenager. And what she's thinking about when she's asking the question, how can this be, is she's thinking, how would God, who is perfect and holy and righteous and pure, how could he ever say words of undeserved and unwavering favor over my life. Now, there's a song that came across my ear uh, this week. I was on one of my walks on the Greenbelt, and I was playing my Pandora station, and all of a sudden, it's Lauren Daigle, who's singing no other than the song, How Can It Be? Anybody ever heard that song? Anybody? It is a great song. If you've not listened to that song, listen to it today. Um, Here's some of the lyrics from that song. Daigle says, you plead my cause, you right my wrongs, you break my chains, you overcome. Uh-oh, I'm about to start singing. You gave your life to give me mine. You say that I am free, how can it be? Though I fall, you can make me new. From this death, I will rise with you. Oh, the grace reaching out for me. How can it be? How can it be? And those are exactly the same responses that Mary's having as she's thinking through this favor that's being spoken over me. How, how can it be? Your grace is reaching out for, for me? That's true for us. God's speaking words today through Jesus of undeserved and unwavering favor over your life so much so that the grace of God is reaching out for you and you're asking in response, how can it be? 
Another way to translate that is, God, if you knew what my life was like, you knew how I lived, you knew what I thought, you knew what I said, there's no way, there's no way that you would speak that favor over my life. That's precisely the point, isn't it? Favor is not something you can earn. It's not something you can buy. It's the gift of God. Um, Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It It is a gift from God, not by works so that man can boast. The angel goes on to say to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, what Mary is receiving is such an opportunity that it's beyond her strength. It's beyond her stamina. It's beyond her ability. And so the angel brings forward this message saying, because of God's favor, Mary, you have access to an unlimited credit line of God's power, of God's mercy, and God's grace. And oh, how she needed it. Not only for the here and now in which she was thinking, I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby with, with what money, with what, with what social standing, with what anything. But moreover, the angel's talking about her future. I mean, she's going to raise Jesus, who will become the greatest teacher on the face of the earth. She's going to see Jesus leave home, and then he's going to take on all the authorities and all the power figures. And... And it's going to, at one point in his life, it's going to look like they're winning. So much so that he's nailed to a cross. And while so many people run and hide for cover, guess who's the one person? Guess who's the one person that never leaves his side? It's his mother. She's standing there. She's watching her son get crucified on a cross. And I can't help but think that the angel's words not only come back to her, but also are the things that are still holding her up. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You've got to realize that in as much as God is speaking his favor over your life right now, it is not just a momentary situation, a momentary partnership between you and God. It is an ongoing and everlasting and irrevocable agreement wherein God says, as a gift of my heart to yours, for whatever struggle or challenge is coming your way in the future, saying goodbye to loved ones, dealing with financial loss, dealing with rupture of relationships, you have unlimited access to my strength and my power. It's going to overshadow you no matter what's going on within you or outside of you. Mary accepts. She accepts what the angel is saying. We would think if you read that scripture that it's momentary. It's like, okay, because you said that the the power of the Lord will overshadow me and no word from God will ever fail, then, then I'm in. We have to be reminded again. Mary's a teenager. Have you ever sent a text to a teenager? How long does it take them to get that to you? How often do they leave us on red? Sometimes quite a while. Sometimes quite a while. Don't, don't look at the person beside you, parents. Don't look. I think Mary's contemplating these things. I think she's contemplating. And yes, she does come back and accept. 
Yes, she does say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you have said. But I don't think it's instantaneous. And I certainly don't think she's celebrating. Yes, she's heard the words of undeserved and unwavering favor, but she's not yet celebrating until, until she goes and she visits her cousin Elizabeth. That's going to be the mother of John the Baptist. And Elizabeth, upon seeing her, feels her baby, who's still in utero, John the Baptist, leap with joy. And Elizabeth exclaims, Blessed are you that you should be mother to the Savior of the world. Now, inasmuch as Elizabeth gives an earthly echo to to the divine favor that God has issued, that's when Mary celebrates. That's when Mary sings. It's, it's known as the Magnificat. And there's something amazing about a teenager singing. First of all, sometimes it's almost impossible to get them to sing. But when they do, it is a witness. It happened to me the other day. I was at Brooks Pharmacy. I was coming out after having gotten my prescription. And a young lady who was in her car stopped so I could pass by. She was singing. She was singing to something. I I don't know what. I don't pretend to know what. But let me just tell you, she was singing with whole heart, mind, and soul. So much so that I stopped. And I kind of did one of these. I kind of like crouched down and like looked into the car. And she saw me. And she kept singing. It was amazing. Like she sang louder because I saw her. And and I think that's, (laughs) that's what we lose when we think about Mary's singing. She's a teenager. She's a teenager, and she says, my soul glorifies in the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I say all that to bring it down to two application points that are real for you and me, no matter how old you are. First of all, hear the words of divine favor over your life. God looks at each and every one of you. And says, you are highly favored. You haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. But you can't lose it. Undeserved and unwavering. Point number two. Hear the echo. Hear the echo of that divine favor. If you haven't heard it from anybody else today... Allow me to be the first one as an earthly echo of that divine favor that says, I believe in you. I believe that in your life, the best is yet to come. And it's not because I'm David Hughes. It's because I'm a person called by God. And I know God's heart. And I know God's belief and God's hope. And there's nothing that can undo it. So whoever you are or wherever you are, hear my earthly echo of the divine favor. You got this. You got this. And then this last and final part, which I believe will not only help your life break out into song, like Mary's, but will also help others' lives break out into song as well. Be the earthly echo of God's favor.
Who in your life, who in your life today needs to hear you echo God's favor over them? Who in your life needs you to be taken by the hand and to have someone just to say, hey, I just want you to know how much I love you, how much God loves you, and how much I believe in you. Who, who, who needs to hear that in your life today? It could be the person sitting beside you right now, within arm's reach. Let them know. Let them hear the earthly echo of God's favor. Undeserved and unwavering, and never to be lost again. May we all find ourselves singing as a result, and that our soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Will you pray? God, in the full joy that is this Sunday, we celebrate an undeserved and unwavering favor that you spoke not only over Mary, but you speak over every single life. May it all be part of our process of unlocking the potential within us so that we can be the God bearers, so that we likewise, as Mary did, can smuggle Jesus into this world. And may we be that earthly echo of divine favor over others. And may we do that as we stand, as we sing, as we respond right here and right now. Amen? Would you please grab your hymnal? Would you sing the text before you? And may you respond as the Spirit so leads. Will you stand and sing?